Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further? Now, on today's episode, we are going to be talking to Angel Steger, who is currently Director of Design at Meta. Uh, Meta, for those of you who don't know, that's the new name of Facebook. So she is the Director of Design at Facebook slash Meta. And Angel is going to be talking to us about what is it like to work in growth design, Uh, Growth design is a relatively new field in design. And so Angel is going to be sharing with us what is growth design, how is working in growth design different from working in traditional design. And uh, one of the reasons I really liked this discussion with Angel is that not only does she share her thoughts on growth design, she also shares a lot of really great insights around just managing your career. She shares a lot of great career tips Um, tips for growing well in your career, how to take career decisions. And it doesn't really matter where you are in your career right now, whether you're just starting out, whether you're somewhere in the middle or late stage. uh, I think these tips are helpful no matter what stage you're in. So I hope you'll enjoy this discussion. Uh, Just a quick note before we get into the discussion. Uh, First of all, this is not a, a recording of the conversation between me and Angel. And so you will be listening to a voiceover of the discussion that I'm going to do, uh, but it's a voiceover of the discussion between me and Angel. And then secondly, every time we add a new discussion to Learn, Educate, Discover, we send out a newsletter. So do sign up for the newsletter. That's the best way to stay up to date uh, with new content getting added. And so you can sign up by going to the website at learneducatediscover.com. I repeat, you can go to learneducatediscover.com to uh, subscribe to the newsletter. And I'll also be linking in the show notes to the written discussion between me and Angel. So if you prefer just doing a quick read of the discussion, you can just follow that link uh, to read the discussion. All right, so with that, we will now get into the discussion between me and Angel on growth design. So my first uh, my first question to Angel is if she can share a brief summary of her background and here's what Angel says. I studied architecture in school, uh, not because I wanted to be an architect, but because it was a complex discipline and I felt that if I could do something as crazy as that, I could handle whatever I wanted in the future. After school, I knew I didn't want to work in architecture. So I had to work at an art gallery in San Francisco while figuring out my next move. While working there, I'd meet up with friends with a self-funded startup for really cheap food in Chinatown. Once their startup had been purchased, they asked me if I'd consider moving from physical to digital design. So really the question in front of me was, would I enjoy designing for hundreds of millions of users? I knew that I could never make a building that could do that. The idea of being able to touch so many people intrigued me. I sassed my boss and got fired and used my severance pay 
to buy a bunch of HTML and CSS books, taught myself to code, and got hired by my friends. And I learned a ton on the job. So she's kind of like describing how she started out. She was originally an architect. She was training to do physical design. And then she, uh, she switched over to digital design uh, in order to be able to design for so many more people than what physical design would allow her to do. And then she goes on to say that she was then at 23andMe. Uh, she was a designer at first and over time, I got moved into product management by our COO. When I was later trying to sell my startup, Colingo, I saw that companies were more interested in my design background and so I started pitching myself as a designer to sell the company, therefore moving back into design by accident and eventually into management. So then I asked her why was Angel moved into product management at 23andMe? And here's what she says. There were lots of scientists at 23andMe, many of whom tended to be introverted. Contrast that with the C-suite who were extremely type A and extroverted with backgrounds in industries such as finance and healthcare, and so very used to quick debates and questioning. Almost everyone else was introverted. And so what ended up happening is that in exec reviews, you'd have the C-suite ready with questions and debate, and the existing product managers would not know how to interact with them. They would often have to regroup and schedule another meeting instead of answering things in the moment, which slowed things down to the point where nothing was shipping. At that time, I was a designer and I was, friend, I was friends with lots of co-workers from different functions, customer support, community management, engineers. I also knew what users were saying. So I just started building stuff and started shipping it. I was so young, I didn't know I needed approval for shipping. I just shipped what I thought was right. So at some point, I got called into my COO's office. They were like, You've been shipping things, and I thought I was in trouble. But then they, go, they went on to say that you're the only person shipping things, so I'm, going to make, so I'm going to make it your job to ship things. I was moved into product management while keeping my responsibilities as a designer. I actually really liked being a product manager. What you're doing and how you're doing it is not that separate. It was enjoyable and a pretty steep learning curve for me. I talked to people who had transitioned from design to product to get tips. Product management is not just about problem solving, but also working with a lot of different people. You have accountability, but no authority. That's an interesting skill to develop, persuasion. I'm just gonna quickly take a sip of tea. All right, so moving on, uh, I asked her then that was it was this an important career lesson for her in terms of how she got this job? And here's what Angel says. And I think this is a really, really interesting career tip uh, that all of us can apply in our careers. Here's what she says. Yes, people ultimately care about results. As long as you're not doing something horrible, people will appreciate results. It takes courage. If you're being able to make things successful while others are not, people will come to you to make more things successful. Sort of like being punished for your own success. In most organizations, there's inherently some inertia and concerns about risk. 
you have to find your way through it. But if you're able to get things done, it's really valued. And then Angel continues her career journey. She says that after 23andMe, I continued with product management at Zobni. I enjoyed the variety. I think of myself as a person who really enjoys having millions of hobbies and creative projects. I also enjoyed the team aspect of things and getting good ideas out of a team. I started looking at opportunities where I'd be coached into a COO or CEO type of job. Today, I'm technically back in design, but I still operate from a very product-oriented perspective. I then asked Angel uh, why does she think there was greater interest in design over product management when she was recruiting. And here's what she says. I think some of it might just be numbers or a demand thing. A typical ratio on a team is to have one PM, two designers, and six engineers. So by definition, you need more designers. Then I asked Angel, it seems that you're one of the few leading figures in growth design in Silicon Valley. What is growth design? Here's what Angel says. As a growth designer, you have to think about what does it mean to design for growth? Any product designer would think about these things too. But typically in growth design, you have to look very closely at how you're executing. You have to be really strong in product thinking. What problem are you solving? And how will users interact with your feature and product? That is what will inspire them to take action. You have to be able to find moments where you offer the right functionality at the right time as opposed to forcing them to do something. This really impacts metrics. Growth design needs you to be a good listener and trains you to build intuition around what feels natural for people. The granularity of what you're going after also tends to be more fine-grained in growth. A lot of growth at a large company is post-product market fit. So you already know what to build. You just have to build it right. And so a lot of the design is around refinement and polish. But at earlier stage companies and startups, you have to discover what's the right thing to build. You're putting together experiences that are very opinionated because you need people to react one way or another and you need to be sure that your signal is crisp and means something. So then I asked Angel, what is the difference between growth design and other design disciplines? And here's what Angel says. Growth design is very much about understanding the customer and building for them. When you get into feature teams, I find that they can be less rigorous about what problem they're trying to solve. When they set up experiments, it's often unclear exactly what happened and why. In such cases, you can be left fumbling in the dark. Was the problem wrong? Was the hypothesis wrong? Did something go wrong during execution? If the rigor is not there during experimentation, it can have cascading downstream effects. Here is an example of how this rigor comes into play. At Pinterest, I was working on building notifications. All users of all types have notifications of some type, emails, badging, push notifications, etc. But instead of sending the same thing to all users, we first looked at which users are critically driven by notifications. 
a power user who is on the app all the time, they don't need notifications to come back. Similarly, a very low frequency user, they probably have notifications turned off. So which user do you go after whose health is driven by these notifications? We decided to target casual users whose sessions were driven by push notifications. So the problem statement for the growth designer is, how do you move casual users into deeper states of engagement? What experience do you design for them and what kind of specific outcomes will we see? Even this kind of rigor, I think can be missing in feature teams, whether they have clarity around who they are going after and what problem they're solving. To do this well, we had to make sure we do our research and really understand the user mental model. There are so many notifications that exist already. What works for the casual user? What does not? How do they think about it? We really built confidence around our approach before we flipped the switch. We iterated via prototyping and not experimentation and de-risked the project. With these new notifications, users were likely to engage more over time. Growth design is really about thinking end-to-end. -end. How do we build habits? And in fact, end-to-end -end is not linear, but cyclical. What will inspire users to come back? I've seen a lot of teams not think that way. They're not designing for why users should care for what they value. Thinking about the emotional state that a user will be in and how will they respond to your design? What makes it memorable and story worthy? Do you get virality and word of mouth so that others come? And these things are not a given in feature teams, sadly. And to be fair, are missing from many growth teams as well. So then I asked Angel, how did she carve a space for herself as a growth designer? Was it challenging to explain it to others at the beginning since, since it was a new field? And here's what Angel says. I was one of the first few designers on the growth team at Pinterest. At that time, there was tension between feature teams and growth teams. Growth teams were very methodologically rigorous and they were being given increasing amount of room to build things. Boy, going back to what we discussed around how people will value results, this is definitely true for growth. There are bad ways to do growth that are irresponsible and not great for users or for the business, but done well, it's super valuable for the company. So she goes on to say that she started seeing this narrative around growth and how it's critical for the company. And then I also saw the narrative around, if you work on growth, you're not a real designer, quote unquote. I was moving into leadership at that time. And when I moved over to Dropbox, I needed to hire very quickly from six to 24 people in a few months. In such circumstances, people need a way to identify and feel proud about the work that they do. I didn't create the term growth design. I simply wanted people to feel proud about their work. So spend a lot of time evangelizing about how growth can help you develop special skills. I personally feel that this is not growth design per, per se, it's simply design. A good designer should be thinking about this stuff anyway. But then you also want something that stands out, feels challenging, and I wanted to create a sense of being a part of something. This approach 
help me educate as well as attract new hires. A lot of my work since Dropbox has been moving products from zero to one and how to take big risks and move in highly ambiguous territory. Regardless of whether you're pre or post product market fit, growth helps you to be very structured and define the problem and structure the problem well and figure out a real path in unknown territory. And you have to figure out what would get users to come back. Is what you're building memorable, story-worthy with inbuilt virality? It's a very helpful skill to have. It forces you to be precise about what to build and how to measure the outcomes. So then I asked Angel, um, you know, over the years, she's held major roles at many large companies, Dropbox, Pinterest, Zobni, Facebook. At each stage, what factors did she consider when making the move? And here's what Angel says. The factors I considered changed over time. Early in my career, I was very focused on what I wanted to learn. I would choose problem spaces based on what I wanted to learn. Over time, this changed to what people will, will I be working with. If people are smarter than you and share the right values with you, then even if the product is not okay, you can fix it. At the current stage in my career, it's a combination of meaningful problems to solve as well as people I'll be working with and what do I bring to the table. Core values and the culture set by the leadership is very important and this is hard to change. You need to make sure that you agree with the culture and assess if you agree with how founders make decisions. Where do they naturally lean? And that intuition needs to be something that you can trust and get behind. You can always present data and stuff, and that's fine. And sometimes, you, sometimes you'll disagree and commit. But ultimately, if the org is not aligned and does not care about the stuff that you care about, or they do not agree with the opportunities that you're seeing, then it's a tough road. I pride myself on being able to win people over to things, but it's easier and more enjoyable if you have that baseline spiritual alignment. So then I asked Angel, how, how do you figure out this alignment when you're on the outside, when you're recruiting and you're trying to figure out, am I going to have a good time with this set of people or not? And here's what Angel says. Whenever you interview, don't just accept the interview process as is. If you are a candidate that they're interested in, think about who do you want to talk to and ask questions. Example, if I have to work with the CEO, I need to talk to him and see how it'll be working together. Is it generative or taxing? Talk to people who worked at the company for a while. Ask about the founders. Even if you're not super senior in the stack just yet, that stuff reverberates down to ICs. So know what that is. In the past, I've made decisions while ignoring these signals, and it usually leads to regret later. You're not excited to move up because you'll have to work with them. You can hack the interview process by talking to people. Look at their public talks. How do they show up? Some people are open, but many are closed. Many companies in Silicon Valley are super toxic, and the only way to find out is by talking to people who work there. Not through the interview process. You don't want to be 
in an exploitative culture that does not encourage growth. And this is especially important if you're a woman or part of an underrepresented community. Let me just take another sip of tea. So then I asked Angel that if she were to look back, what are the top two to three things that she thinks she have, have really helped her get to where she is today? So here are the three things that Angel shares. One, saying yes to things to push yourself to grow. Example, say you're a swimmer and your coach asks you to try using a different stroke. You trust them and you try it even if you don't know how to do it. Similarly, say your manager asks you to do something that feels scary. Say yes. They are seeing something. Have faith and try. The second thing that she says is that Another thing that it, another thing is that treat your career as a set of experiments rather than a linear arc. There are very few people who know exactly what they want. For most others, it's an evolution. Interests change, so you need to create space for them. Keep discovering stuff. Every career move cannot be amazing. Think about the types of futures for yourself. Try them out. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. Don't treat something that didn't work as a failure, but as a learning for the future. And lastly, assuming you can afford to and aren't breaking the law, don't live in fear of being fired. When I knew I was leaving Pinterest, I had the best two months of my time there. I stopped caring about what people would think and just did the right thing. I learned all the ways in which I was stopping myself I got so much done. I had so much more fun that I almost regretted quitting. In my next job, I tried adopting that mindset from day one. It was so much better and effective. I've been fired before and it helped me exit a bad situation. I stood by my principles and I used my firing to launch myself into a better career. Don't live in fear all the time. Live in an unconstrained way. It's not fun to get fired, but realize that it's not the end. It's just not a good fit. There are lots of jobs in tech. Give yourself space to take risks. Worst case scenario, you'll find a different job. And so uh, the last question I asked Angel is whether she has any recommendations uh, for resources for growth design as well as overall career development. So she shares a few resources. Uh, there's a growth design community similar to usertesting.com that does teardowns from a growth perspective. All of it is online stuff, lots of case studies that I find very interesting and helpful. Another is Reforge. Uh, they teach practical methodologies and have a product-centric approach to growth. All functions can find their insights helpful. Product, design, engineering. They show how to translate ideas into outcomes. They also have these unique things such as calculating word of mouth, uh, which is very, very cool. And then she lists a few people that she follows on Twitter, Casey Winters, Lenny Rakitsky, First Round, and Andrew Chen. That's the end of the discussion. I will be linking to all the resources that Angel mentioned in the show notes. 
as well as um, the link to the discussion itself. If you just want to read the, discu uh, the discussion, uh, I'll link to it. Uh, and yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. As you saw, Angel shares a really uh, great overview of what it doesn't mean to work in growth design. And she also shares a lot of great career tips throughout, which I think you can very easily apply in your career. So yes, uh, I hope you found that helpful. Uh, again, please sign up for the newsletter uh, by going to the website, learneducatediscover.com. Right on the homepage, you'll see a very quick and easy form to fill out uh, to subscribe. Uh, and we send updates almost every few weeks to uh, whenever we add a new discussion. And if you have any questions or comments, you can drop us a note at hello at learneducatediscover.com. All right, that's it. Thank you.